Romans chapter 13. And we looked at last week to owe no man anything except to love him. So we do owe to love one another. Jesus, again in Matthew chapter 5, he made it clear. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And then he gives a long list of people. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain upon the just and the unjust. And so he gives a long list there of enemies, those who curse you, those who hate you, those who spitefully use you, those who persecute you, the evil people and the unjust people. There's a list of seven different individuals that naturally we would want to shy away from at best or even hate and despise them. Um, the enemy, the curse, those who curse you, hate you, spitefully use you, persecute you, the evil person and the unjust person. So that pretty well covers the gamut. You are to owe love to everyone. And he goes on in Matthew 5 to say, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? But not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what makes us stand out to the world is the love that we have towards one another. Now, he goes on here to talk tonight in particular, for he says, For he who loves another has fulfilled the law, the last part of verse 8, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there are any other commandment, are all summed up in the saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He says it again. Love is the fulfillment of the law. He says it in verse 8 and in verse 10. Now, he points out that there's a lot of laws you could concentrate on not committing adultery, not murdering, not stealing, not bearing false witness. And there's a few others that he left out. And he says, and any other, you know, you know the commandments. He's basically saying, you know what they are. And of course, it's not just dealing with the outward. Uh, it's not just the outward committing adultery. But Jesus points out in Matthew 5, it's that adultery in the heart as well. So it's not just a matter of not... Um, lusting in your heart, saying, man, I'd like to have sex with that guy's wife, or I'd like to, I wish I had a loving husband like that woman's husband is. We can say those things in our heart, and God sees it, indeed, as you're having an affair with them. Because you really are, in your heart, in your mind, in your fantasy life, it's going on. And so God, who judges the heart, looks as if you are doing it. And he marks it down in his heavenly records as if you did do it. In the same way, it's not just a matter of saying, I've never plunged a knife into somebody and caused their life to stop, or I didn't pull a trigger and blow somebody's head off. But it's even more than that. It's that attitude of the heart of just wishing a person dead, or wishing this idiot in front of you would get out of the way and drop dead and get off planet Earth, you see. 
that is going on in your heart, God marks it down in his book as if you had committed murder. Because the rage and the anger and the, and the evil was present in your heart. And that's far enough for God to mark it down. Now, are the earthly consequences different? Absolutely. If you say in your heart, idiot, you're not going to go to prison for that. But if you kill somebody, you will go to prison for that. However, God's looking at far more than just the outward actions, but also the inward heart. Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart comes adulteries and murders and lying and cheating and on and on. It's not what goes in a man that defiles a man, but that which comes out of his heart. So we say, man, I, I, I wish I could quit lusting, but I, I just seem to be a big lust machine, you know? I, I can't seem to do anything else. I wish I could control my anger, but you know, I'm Italian and it, it's my nature. And so you could, you could concentrate and say, yeah, I, I really need to get in anger anonymous. I, I really try to, ought to get into that uh, sexually addicted group, you know, and get with a bunch of other people that are sexually addicted and talk about how we need to stop it. Doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. Or you could take God's prescription on conquering the flesh. And that is, you see, to pursue love. Because really, if you didn't do all of those things, it doesn't make you a Christian. We read early in Romans chapter 3, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Because if I'm just not hating somebody in my heart or just not killing people, that doesn't make me a great American. You, you won't have a, a letter come in the mail from the mayor saying, you are citizen of the year. You've not killed anybody. You didn't lie under oath. You didn't commit adultery. You didn't, oh, so therefore, you are now citizen of the year. They expect those things of you. They expect that you obey the law. They expect that you're not killing people. They expect that you're not perjuring yourself. That is zero. If you have done all those things, it adds up to a big fat zero. And so, what is the law for? We have covered this already in the book of Romans, but in Galatians chapter 3, it's to show us that we can't do even the simplest of things. It's to show us that we are truly sold under sin, under bondage. Because I know very clearly, I am not to lust in my heart. And I try and I can't, I can't help it. I know I'm not to get angry and call that person, you big idiot. But I, I tried. I mean, I said on the way to work today, I don't care who cuts me off. I'm just going to take it easy and smile at them. And as soon as they did it, man, I was just, oh. I, I, and then I kick myself all day saying, man, I, I can't believe I did it. But on the way home, you know, it'll be different. And, and it was no different. And so you realize, as you look at the law, it's a mirror to show you you are sold under to sin, unto bondage. That is really you. It wasn't you're a really nice guy normally and I just blew my top. No, you are the kind of person who blows their top. That's you. You are an angry, murderous person. 
well, typically I'm a moral person, but I just, you know, had that moment, that week, that month. No, you are a pervert. That's really you. You really are a sicko. You really do need some serious help. And so the law would show us and bring us to the place to be broken and to say, God, help me. I really am in need of a Savior. And until you come to that place to see your depravity, to see your sinful condition, the law hasn't yet wrought its work. And so you need to be in the law until the law does its work. And once the law has done its work, you are broken. You see that you cannot do it. But I'll do better next week. Go for it, man. (laughs) You'll see that next week is no better than last week or the week before that or the week before that. But you'd understand. There is the clock struck 12 on New Year's Eve. I made a commitment. And man, when I say something, I keep my word, man. Bull. I'll put money on it. You won't keep. I don't care what it is. You said, I won't eat one raisin. I'll guarantee you, you will eat a raisin before the year 2000. Because when the law is given, it stirs up the passion and makes you want. You never really cared much for raisins. And now that you can't have them, boy, now you've got to have a raisin. Just, what would it be like? What would it taste like? What That texture, that feeling, that... You'll go hog wild and... And you will have a raisin. I don't care how simple the law is. You will break it. That's our flesh. We're sinful. But now that we are Christians, how do we view the law? It's done its work. It's brought us to see. It tutored us to see that we needed a Savior. We cried out to the Lord. Well, Jesus made it very, very clear that the law was never to be put aside. Never was the law to make us righteous. We learned that. So I can't use the law saying, well, I obeyed my parents and didn't use God's name in vain and blah, 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 blah. Therefore, I'm righteous. No, we know the law can't make you righteous. The law was to bring you to your sinful condition. Well, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. And that's why I'm holding tightly to Jesus Christ. So now do you throw away the law? No. The law is never to be thrown away It's to be internalized and hung on to. Look, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, there in verse 17. Matthew 5:17 Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but listen, to fulfill. So none of us can say we're here to destroy the law. We are here to fulfill what Christ wanted to fulfill, and that was the law. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, turn over to Romans chapter 8 if you would. There in verse 3. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Romans 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. 
The law was good, you see. It's a good thing not to lie. It's a good thing not to kill. It's a good thing to honor your parents. So the law, the problem wasn't with the law. The problem was with me. I'm a sinner. So it was, but it was weak. So the law and my flesh, they don't go together. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Listen now, verse 4, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled, where? In us. Listen to this. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, the idea is, you see, is that we are keepers of the law, obedient to the law, fulfilling the law. How? In us. Remember, out of the heart flows the adultery, the murder, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, all of these things. So what Christ did is He condemned the law in the flesh. You see, Jesus Christ, He came to earth as a man and He kept the law perfectly. How? Through love. He never said, all i got to do is just get by, you know, on planet earth and just not commit adultery, just not steal, just... That was never his aim. He never said, I am not going to do that. That's my aim. He always said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. Love is my aim. And in so trying to love people, you see, the law is automatically kept. You see, if I love you, I'm not going to lie to you. If I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love God, I'm not going to use his name in vain. If I love God, I'm not going to worship another God. And so, again, the law is kept how? By his Holy Spirit coming into our heart, Romans 5, and his love being shed abroad in our hearts. And so this now is our aim, that God would fill us up with his love and we would become the vessel of obedience, that vessel of hungering and thirsting, that vessel where God can fill us up with more and more and more of His love. Look, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at a number of verses tonight, so lick your fingers and let them do the walking through the white pages. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 16, it says that he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in, where? The inner man, because out of the heart flows. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded, where? In love. What's the root system? What's the grounding? What's our foundation? Love in Christ. Verse 18 may be able, it's not a definite, this is where sanctification comes in, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Turn over to Galatians 5, just to the left there, just a couple of pages, to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians 5.13 
For you, brethren, have been called to liberty or to freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. You hear people all the time saying, Man, I'm not under the law. I'm free. I don't need the law anymore. I'm, I'm saved by grace. They don't know what they're talking about. We were not saved by grace to not have a law anymore. That's, that's not the point. We are saved by grace and we are now fulfilling the law. We are fulfilling it how? In love. By what? By doing it and far, far more than doing it. But am I patting myself on the back when I'm doing it? No, because it adds up to a big fat zero. When I'm not doing it, I should be ashamed because Christ has called us into a freedom where we would no longer be in bondage, whether it's to sin or to the law, either one. And so again, we are saved into freedom, so it's not an opportunity for the flesh, but where? Through love serve one another. Notice verse 14 now. For all the law is what? Fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you also be consumed by one another. So in other words, Christian, be a Christian. How? By saying, man, I'm free. I don't have a law anymore. You know, if you're saying that, that scares me. That tells me something about you. That would be like saying, well, we're engaged. It doesn't matter what we're doing behind closed doors. We're going to be getting married. Hey, you're not married. It does matter what you're doing on behind closed doors. The Bible says don't make any opportunity for the flesh. Well, you know, I'm not under the law. You most certainly are under the law if what you're doing behind closed doors is what I think you're doing behind closed doors. Why is the door closed? You have put yourself back under the law. You're under zero. Zero is keeping the law. You're underneath it again. But God has not called you under the law, I agree. But He has called you to fulfill the law, to do the law, to get to zero, and then far more, to now love. I'm not trying to just not steal from you. I'm trying to add, add unto you. I'm just not trying to not fornicate. I'm trying to treat you in purity and love and to see you as the bride of Christ. And so again, it's, it's not just not. I'm just not trying to not use God's name in vain. Wow, I did great. I didn't use God's name in vain. No, I want to bless the Lord. I want to praise Him and worship Him, not just be down here at zero. And so again, we are here to fulfill the law. How? By loving and since you're there in Galatians chapter 5, look on down there to verse 18. So, if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. Now, here are the works of the flesh. They're evident, they're obvious, they're clear. Adultery, fornications, uncleanness, lewdness. Three, four different words to describe sexuality. Four different words to describe sexuality. That covers the bases, guys. Don't say, well, Sports Illustrated, you know, it's all about sports just because I get that one issue and they're sporty type of bathing suits. I just want to see what are, you know, the sports women are wearing this year, you know. No, it's there. It's uncleanness. Well, it's just 
a movie, you know, there's just a little nudity in it. If you haven't seen it by now, you're never going to see it anyway. Who cares, you know? No, that's, that's lewdness. Licentious. You're giving yourself a license saying, hey, it's okay for me. It may not be for everybody, but it's okay for me. No. Idolatry. Sorcery. Which is the word pharmacia. Uh, where we get the word pharmacy. Drugs from. Sorcery. It's the same word. Pharmacia. Where we get our word pharmacy from. Hatred. Contention. Jealousy. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who is he writing this to, guys? He's writing this to church. He's writing this to the Galatian believers. And he's saying, you may be saying, I'm saved, I have my liberty, I'm not under the law, and he's saying, I don't care what wordage you use. If you are living under the law, it's because you've never been born again. Because when you are born again, you don't stay under the law. You are now on top of it. You're fulfilling it and you're doing far more. You're loving. The world will know we're his disciples by our love. Not by the fact that we didn't still, but by the fact that we're giving not by the fact that we didn't use God's name in vain, but that we're blessing Him, you see. Not by the fact that I didn't have an outburst of wrath, but more than that, I had words of kindness and blessing. And he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, listen to this in verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's the conclusion? Against such there is no law. Why, why is there no law? Because it's fulfilled in us. You see, go back. If I'm loving, I'm not committing adultery, fornicating, uncleanness, lewdness. If I'm full of joy in the Lord, I'm not committing idolatry and sorcery. If I've got a peace of God in my heart, I'm not hating, contentious, jealous. If I have his long-suffering, his patience, there is no outburst of wrath. If I have his kindness, there isn't that selfish ambition. If there is that goodness, then there isn't the dissensions and heresies. You see? You can just go back and look. If the one is there, the other can't be there. And so if you are in the Spirit, as he says in Romans 8, if you are being led by the Spirit, then you truly are a son of God. If you're not being led by the Spirit, then you're not of God. It's that clear. It's a pretty cut and dry view here. And so again, the law is to be how fulfilled in us. What is the greatest visible sign of God's love? Turn over, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. There in verse 9, the Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So again, 
if I'm abiding in love, what am I doing? I'm keeping the commandments, right? If I'm not keeping the commandments, then obviously I'm not in love with the Lord either, am I? I cannot be loving you and stealing from you at the same time. So if I am keeping the commandments of God, it's by the power of his Holy Spirit, isn't it? Because I learned I can't do it. Therefore, his love is going to be manifest, perfected in me. Now, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You say, man... I really want to stop this anger in my life. When do you get angry the most? When I'm on the freeway. That's really when I get upset. Okay, lay down your life for those people on the freeway. See them more important than yourself. See them as better than yourself. See their interest before your interest. Just say in your heart, when a guy's cutting you off, saying his wife's getting ready to have a baby, he has to hurry and get to the hospital. Say his father's dying, he's grasping at his last few breaths in the hospital, and he's rushing, trying to get there to see his father one more time before he dies. You don't know the situation. I mean, there is no doubt people cutting people off on the freeway for those very reasons. Or maybe just say, this is God giving me the opportunity to show the world that I'm his disciple by loving when everybody else is angry and upset and cursing. I can show that I'm his disciples by loving. So again, see that attitude of laying down your life. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2 if you would. There in verse 6. God showed his greatest love for us. How? By laying down his life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, referring to Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, in verse 7, Philippians 2, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. The death of the cross. So again, what did Christ do? He became a servant. He was far above. I mean, he's the Alpha and the Omega, but yet he made himself the servant of all men. He never had a reputation. He never was known as some great person. He was always known as a nobody while he was on this earth. He remained there and finally humbled himself as a nobody to the point of even death on the cross. What's the real point here? What Jesus was doing, nobody understood but him and the Father. So you, as a guy cutting you off on the freeway, you back off and let him in, and people are looking at you like, wimp, I wouldn't have let him done that to me. Nobody else understands, nobody else knows, but this is between me and the Father. The Father knows I gave that as a sacrifice unto him. The Father knows, as I was doing that, I was laying my life down for this man. And so it's between me and him. And so man looks on. He doesn't understand, but he's of the natural mind. I'm of the spiritual mind. It's okay, just like nobody else understood. 
far as the, even his own disciples just saw this as a worthless carpenter from Nazareth ending up where a lot of people from Nazareth ended up at, being put to death for some crime. They didn't understand. They didn't know. It wasn't some great heroic thing. It wasn't like the guy pushing the child out of the way in the oncoming car, and as he's doing it, he knows, man, I'm looking good. <laughs> people know, man, I'm a hero. And he has that sense of satisfaction. When Jesus was carrying the cross, he was just despised. He wasn't looked at as a hero at all. He was just looked at as an idiot. As some guy who was just too stupid to know when to keep his mouth shut and too dumb to care. And it was just another worthless death of a nobody Jew. That's all it was. But Jesus, he had his eyes upon his father. He was doing it. And him and the father knew. Ultimately, others would clue in and understand the sacrifice he gave. In the same way as you are living that godly example, people won't understand. But as you continue to lay your life down, people will eventually clue in and realize, man, it wasn't a random act of kindness. This person really is kind all the time. Look at the joy. Look at the peace. Yeah, he seems to always get the short straw. He always seems to get the butt end of the deal. But it doesn't seem to matter to him. That kindness, that love, that self-control, that gentleness. Man, I would any day, shape, or form take what he has over what I got. Because he really has true riches. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. So, how are the, we then to live? Are we to focus on, I've got to stop this lust. I need to get rid of this anger. I need to stop using God's name in vain. I really need to quit stealing. I really need... That is my focus? No. Our focus is to lay down our life for our brother. And if we are focusing on that, the law, we're going to be fulfilling it in us. It's not even going to be an issue any longer with us because we're so far above the law. In doing what we're doing, we're not only keeping it, but far more. We're not just not cursing, we're blessing. We're not just not hindering, but we're helping and pulling along. And so the law is fulfilled in us. We're keeping it as we pursue love. Let's look at some of those verses. In John chapter 13, look at verse 34. In John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13:34 And a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another so Jesus makes it clear I'm commanding you to love as I have loved you I'm commanding you to love one another in Ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Identical as Christ is. 
to mimic him as a dear child would mimic him. You know, you see the dad there with his hands in the pocket, leaning against the pole. And you see the kids there with the hands in the pocket, leaning against the pole. Today, I took my son to baseball practice, and I got in the car, and I took off my baseball hat, and I threw it in the back seat. And my six-year-old son, Tracy, got in the car, took off his hat, and he threw it in the back seat. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, just what you did? <laughs> Whatever dad's doing, that's, that's what he wants to do. And that's our focus, you see. Christ laid down his life. We would have that same heart to lay down our life and how to walk in love. As Christ always loved us and what? Given himself for us as what? An offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus said it, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Paul said, death is present in me, that life would be in you. That as you, the guy pulls you off and you slow down, you let him go in front, what's happening? Death is working in you. Because you want to be that car length ahead. You want to get home. You're just as tired and cranky as the next guy. You're just as beat as the next guy. You have a justification to be ahead of him just as, his, as, just as much as he has to be in front of you. you. You know, you ever notice that? You can always give yourself an excuse. I can give myself an excuse to take that first for myself or to give myself, say, I can give a reason why I should be the last. You can always come up with a reason to be number one. You could always also come up with a reason to be last. The last will be first, the first will be last when it comes to eternity. It doesn't pay to be first here on earth. It pays to be last. Because for all of eternity, you will be first if indeed you were last on this earth. And so again, to be imitators of Christ at all times, as a beautiful, as you know, between you and the Father, it's a beautiful incense. It's a sacrifice going up as you're putting yourself upon that altar to be sacrificed unto the Father once again. Turn over, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. He says there, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. We've been commanded to love as He has loved us. And the Holy Spirit is leaning us by sanctification, helping us to do that very thing. For indeed, you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. This is a lifetime pursuit, isn't it? You finally have peace on the freeway. You finally are that living sacrifice, that holy, acceptable offering unto God on the freeway. And man, you just cut me off. I don't care. I'll get there when I get there. And you just have love. You just have that peace. And then you get to Price Club. 
or you get to the grocery store and now it starts all over. Hey, lady, you're hogging the lane. Get out of my way, you know. Hey, how much room do you need in this aisle, you know? Out comes the unkind words. Out comes the irritableness. Out comes the anger. As you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And The other day I was at Price Club and I was around a corner and, and I was pulling my cart and I blocked the whole lane because there was three people clearly blocking the way. And there was a lady behind me. And there's no way she could have got around me. There's no way. There was no room. And there she was with her cart. And she started bumping me with it. <laughs> and so I jumped over the cart and grabbed her. And I, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I just backed my cart up and I said, please, go ahead. And then she went two steps and then she had to wait. And then she clued in. Gee, it wasn't you, was it? You know. I didn't have an attitude, but at the same time, it was just like, don't resist an evil person, the Bible says. Just, they want your coat, give them your shirt also. You know, here, I, you know what? It's not going to matter in the scheme of things. I'm in God's perfect will. Whether I'm out of here in five minutes, or whether I'm out of here in 20 minutes, God is in control. And so, just to have that peace. And so again, but now there's a whole nother circumstance, you see. I've got to now master loving people in the grocery store. <laughs> and then you go down to the beach. And you're trying to find a parking place there. And, and there you're waiting for somebody. And, and, and you got your blinker on. And, and then just as he pulls out, another guy zooms around you and cuts in there. And you want to go over and kick in his door saying, man, I've been waiting 20 minutes for that guy to finish knocking the sand off his feet and drying his hair and finding his sunglasses. And, you know, I've been trying to find a park for 40 minutes and here you are, zoom in right in front of me. Who do you think you are? Nope. God's got a better parking place for me. So he let this guy who's going to be going to hell anyway go ahead and get the best place. I don't care. He might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow he's dying. I'll be back here on earth for another thousand years, so. You just go on, you see, without the attitude. <laughs> and then one day, you'll be 80 years old in your deathbed, and she said she'd be right back with the jello. It's been 15 minutes, you know, and as soon as she comes in, you know, I just want to give her a piece of my mind. I don't know what 20 minutes is to you, young person, but you said right back. That doesn't mean 20 minutes. Now give me that jello. It's going to be a battle. We're going to always have to grow more and more in love. But God wants us, you see to walk in love, to imitate Him as He also walked in love. A couple more verses and we'll end here tonight. In 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Also in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 11. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so there is this constant churning at our hearts as believers, not to say, let's not lie. Man, I did good not lying. That's not even in our thought process. We're to be pushing on to say, man, I want to go out there and tell the truth. I want people to know about the love of Christ. It's not an issue, am I trying to look good? I'm dead. I need to die. I need to put this old flesh to death. The only reason I'd lie is out of pride. I want to put this old flesh to death, and I want to push on to say, man, to be more like Christ. And so again, if you're struggling with some sin, it seems to be weighing you down. It seems to be having control over you. It's because you're, you're aiming too low. You need to get your eyes on the Lord and say, God, fill me up more in your love. You see, if you're lusting, it's because you really don't love your brother. You really don't love your sister. Because, you see, if you loved your brother, you would say, man, I just want to see him have the best marriage. I want to see him fall in love with his wife. I want to see his wife, wife just love, fall in love with him. I want to see them grow in just this incredible relationship till there's peace and joy. And that's, that's my heart. And so the thought of going, man, you know, I, I wish I could have sex with that man's wife. You see, that's not even going to be in the thought process. Because your thoughts are, how can I see them love and improve and grow in Christ? And, and my heart is so full of love for them. I can't lust at them. In the same way, my heart is that they would know the love of God. My heart is that they would experience more of His grace and more of His kindness, that they would be walking in the Spirit, that their life would be so full of love and joy and peace and patience. How can I be yelling at them and screaming at them when I, my heart is just to see them grow in the Lord? And see them come closer to God. And, or maybe even to see them come to know Christ. See, I, my, my heart's not full of anger at them cutting me off. My heart's full of pity going, Oh Lord, that they could have in their hearts what's in my heart right now. It just says, I just wish every single person on this freeway, as far as I could see, could just know you. And, and, and my heart is that, my heart's so busy praying that their salvation would be met and that they could come to know the love of Christ. I, I'm not angry at any one of them. They could all cut me off. That's the world. The world, this is all they have to live for. This is it. Time's running out for them. For us, we have all eternity. For them, they're not in the will of God. They're trying to rush about, trying to find some fulfillment. For me, I'm, my fulfillment's right here in Christ. Whether I'm in a busy freeway or whether I'm at home, it doesn't matter because... My life is in Christ. I can pray, I can meditate, I can fellowship with Him. 
So if it takes me an extra 10 minutes to get home, it doesn't matter. It just means 10 minutes more to pray, 10 minutes more to fellowship with God. And so again, my heart's full of love. I I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. It's not an issue with me because I don't have to get ahead. I don't have to push. I don't have to rush. I don't have to try to get my gusto in this life. I'm already getting it in Christ right now where I'm at. And so what you need, you see, is not to quit lusting. What you need is more love of God in your life. So that idol is gone, and so your love for that other person is greater. What you need is not to try to quit being angry to count to ten or hit the pillow or whatever. What you need is the love of God in your life. You need to be filled up, overflowing with His love until you're so pickled in His love the height, the width, the depth, the length, to be full, just full of the fullness of God as all the saints, that I'm not angry anymore. Dad, you're not angry like you once were. Mom, you don't scream at us like you once did. Man, you don't get all upset like you once did. What happened? I, I don't even know. Oh, you're mellowing with age. Oh, let me tell you. Age doesn't mellow nothing. Cranky old people used to be cranky young people. It's just we didn't call it cranky when they were young. We called it out of control. No, it's just the love of God. I'm falling deeper in love with Jesus and His Spirit is taking more and more control of my life and that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that goodness, that settledness, that that, that self-control, that gentleness that used to be mine, 10% of the time is now mine for 20% of the time. That which I used to experience 10% of the time, now I'm experiencing it 40% of the time. Until, as James says, we're perfect, complete, lacking in nothing, until we grow in that grace and sanctification of God, until 95% of the time I am full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. 99% of the time I'm walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and and every once in a while, you'll find out I'm still human. But outside of that, outside of those momentary lapses of the flesh, I am most of the time just experiencing the joy and the love and the peace of Christ. That's our aim. And we'll look back going, man, the issues of the sin that we once have struggled with isn't an issue anymore. Not because we've gotten holy. Not because we've been able to, you know, get ourselves in control. It's just because God's love is so permeating my life that that's what I'm all about now. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you that love does no harm to his neighbor. That love is the law. And we thank you that we don't have to concentrate on not doing this and not doing that. And, but as the golden rule there says, that if we love one another... As we do unto others, as we'd have them do unto us. And this is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. Lord, we believe that. That all the law and the prophets is fulfilled. And doing unto others as, you would, as we would have them to do unto us. And Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord. And no doubt we struggle much. But yet, by the grace of God, we're here tonight. That says a lot. How many people <laughs> just said, I'd rather stay home and watch TV tonight. Or just veg out rather than making it here. And so their flesh, Lord, really won out and, and didn't hear the message. And so there's this 
growth in their life that could have taken place that didn't. And But we're here, God. By your grace, we're here. You, We've heard the message. Now write it upon the tablets of our heart and still it deep within our heart and our mind. Not something to be heard of and leave and forget about, but to meditate on it. Lord, help us now to see your heart, your mind, your attitudes. Lord, we come short in so much, in so many ways, all the time. But Lord, please help us not to be under the law again. Lord, let us be free from the law. Let us be free, Lord. And in that freedom, not to use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but in our freedom to truly love one another. Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, thanking you that the law is still here, but it's fulfilled in us through the power of your Spirit, through love. We receive it. Let's just lift our hands again tonight and just say, God, please, fill me up once again, God. Fill me more with your love, Lord. I want more. I want the height, the width, the, de- the depth, the length, to be filled with that fullness of God as all the saints, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. There's some sins that have been weighing you down. Just confess them now. Lord, these things in my life, I know, God, there's not to be there. I know it's because I'm lacking a love for you and, and an idol is starting to be put in my life. The idol of sensuality or the lie, or the, the idol of money or the idol of prestige or power, getting ahead at work. All these things are idolatry. Forgive me, Lord. I want to be free from them just to pursue a love relationship deeper in you that I could love one another, Lord, as you have so loved us. Help us, God, to lay our lives down. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen.